Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 142, and it is called The Truth About the Clitoris. (laughs) Because that is the only way we can talk about it, is truthfully. <laughs> okay, so this is, I think, going to be a fascinating episode. Uh, I think both men and women really need to stay tuned to this. Even though women own the equipment we'll be talking about, it's amazing to me how many women don't know about their own body, how many women have never even looked at their own vagina. And... Having worked with men and doing, we always do a, uh, a piece on female anatomy, it's pretty obvious that most men don't know a whole lot about it either. So we're pretty sure that if you stay tuned to this episode, you will learn something that will help you in the bedroom. So we were going to have a special guest on to help us with this topic, and we tried and tried and just couldn't make it work. So, uh, we're going to do a similar, but not exactly the same show, but we're going to pull on some of her work that she's done. So we'll mention her throughout the episode and we're going to pull some pieces that she's talked about. That's going to help illustrate the things that we're talking about. We're also going to pull other stuff. We've got our little, uh, clitoris, clitoris anatomy, uh, 3d printed, uh, clitoris here. We've got, uh, other great experts that we're going to be quoting throughout all of this. So it's going to be fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. And I managed to go through this ad without laughing with Kevin stroking my uh, 3D clitoris. <laughs> yes, if you're not watching the video, you don't know exactly what's happening, but Kevin's being a little bit silly and I'm keeping it together. If you weren't watching the video, you missed me stroking Celine's clitoris. Well, it's my 3D printed clitoris, so, but, <laughs> and I was stroking my own clitoris this morning. I happened to have this sex dream this morning when like, well, early on. And I woke up and I felt really horny. And we have this whole morning routine that we like to go through. And I was like, Kevin just like, you know, hugged me and then like, it just still felt so like horny and sexy and he was looking so good like mm, his body and his chest I was like oh my gosh so hot and I was like you know if you go get the pad I'll make love of you because I had just started bleeding so we needed to protect the sheets and Kevin was like thinking it for about two seconds and he's like you know waiting it between morning routine love with my wife, making love with my wife, morning routine. And he, I have to say that he did choose the uh, making love to my wife. It was a long deliberation. It took approximately <laughs> two seconds. <laughs> As I looked at her, I went, really? It's first thing on a weekday work morning. Okay, I'll go get the pad. Yeah, <laughs> That's so about what it took. It was a great start to the morning from some missionary, then me on top, and then me and doggy with clitoral stimulation. And that's basically how today's episode came to life because as I was stroking my clit and I was thinking, we need to talk about the clitoris more. It is so important. I hadn't started to stimulate my clit during lovemaking until like 
about five years ago, it's like basically when you and I got together, somehow I hadn't really realized that I could do that. And um, that did change my life. For the better. <laughs> but we will come back to that. D- didn't that happen because I was stroking it on you while making love to you at one point and you were like, you know, I could just do that myself and you wouldn't have to be in this awkward position. I don't know exactly. I mean, not that I didn't know it and I mean, I had done it a few times, but now I can like really do it more intentionally and I think that's really what I meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's dive into some of the things from today. So from a scientific perspective, we can see that male and female genitals come from the same beginning. But we want to look a little bit at the similarities and differences. Ha-ha. Wait, wait, what? What? The, wait, what do you mean? They come from the same beginning. Uh-huh. Maybe many people have never heard that before. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, and we'll get a little bit geeky too uh, in some of these things because we like that, but every fetus contains structures that are capable of developing into either male or female genitalia. So we start the same and then something happens that we go one way or another. Like notice that there are two genders and I say that (gasps) (laughs) there are only two genders and you can either go one or the other, then your sexual orientation can be all over the place. Right. But you're either genders, male or many female. sexual orientations. Yes. All right. Yes. So now that we've put that out of the way, let's let's keep going a little bit. Um, and so regardless of the complement of sex chromosome, all developing embryos become feminized until masculinizing influences come into play at key times during gestation. That's something that blew me away when I learned about that. Well, when basically we women can only have girls because that's what we make. And then you can have a boy if like the man is the one that determines whether or not you're going to have the Y or the X chromosome, the additional one. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool to know that. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. Anyway, I don't know. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have sons, then it's because you're overpoweringly manly. Well, I guess just that's kidding. one way to say it, but that's a little, I think you're going a little backward here, and that's like <laughs> the kind of things we want to not talk about. Okay, but it was a joke. Anyway, we found something fascinating too in terms of studies. There was a new study that was done in 2018 by the medical researchers, and they've made a new discovery about a baby's sex that is determined. It's not just about the X and Y chromosomes that we've been talking about, but it involves a regulator that increases or decreases the activity of genes which decide if we became if we become male or female. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, I find it pretty interesting. So we start out the same. There's different hormones that are happening in the body and expressions that make it that we go one way or the other. Yeah, now what's, it, what's interesting about that is when we say we start out the same and then the hormones actually decide which direction we're going to go in, you have to realize, too, that what we really mean is there's literally the same physical structure and that the hormones then tell that physical structure to develop in a different way. But one thing that you can see, and we'll talk about this, too, but I'm going to hold up our little 3D printed clitoris here, is you might notice some similarities between this and the penis and testicles of a man. Yeah, so everything more is more inside when it comes to our clitoris, so we don't know that. And people think that, structurally speaking, all we have is a little button, that push button on the top. But this is really the top of the iceberg. The man in the rowboat. 
this is just the top of the iceberg. What you see, that button, is kind of like the head. So it's like the head, uh, same of like the, the penis. Kevin will be demonstrating if you are watching the video. And if you're not... Please try to use like your imagination as we are doing that. So we've got the head and that's kind of like that button, but then it has a shaft. And then that shaft goes in and it has, uh, it divides into two legs, those crura or those legs that goes on each side and straddle inside. And they straddle what we call the vestibular bulbs. They are two bulbs inside that get swollen when we get engorged. And if you look at that, it's, as Kevin said, it's pretty similar to the way the penis and the testicle look. It's just inside. So we don't see that. When we get engorged, and our clitorises get um, engorged, they will start to swell. You literally get a lady boner, like a mini erections. And there's a um, there's that boner that happens. It's this lift that happens too. So everything changes. And, and you can see it with the naked eye that the clitoris is swollen, redder, pulsing. I mean, that's how you know if she's engorged. You could be stroking the clit. If you're not doing a good job, you're not going to see much of a difference. If you're doing a good job, her clit is going to start to pulse, to vibrate, to swell up. Her labia are going to change colors. You're going to see that you're doing something right. And don't forget to stroke her mind before you stroke her clit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do know about the importance of foreplay, and that's not today's episode. We're, we're sticking here to that um, of the clitoris. Yeah, right? and so, you know, that's... That's really fascinating information if you've never heard it before, because, you know, most people assume that we were 100% different from the beginning, like everything is different. And uh, that's not really the case. We started out the same. Hormones are what put us on two different paths. But what's really interesting about that is that so we can very clearly see the differences but we can also see just how similar we really are. And I think that's a mind-blowing part for a lot of people. So when you think about similarities, and this is a tip for all of our listeners here today, the male listeners, you know, like think of that clit of a mini penis, right? And I'm not going to do a comedy skit on it. <laughs> <laughs> but would you do think of it, that clit kind of as a, a mini penis? And some things that you do like to do on your penis can happen on the clitoris and feel amazing. Like, you know how you like blowjobs and sucking? Well, guess what? Our clitoris, they love to be sucked on. That's true. That's true. So that's a good move to pull on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've covered a little bit of the structures and kind of how we develop as, as males and females and how the structures are similar and come from similar origins. That was kind of important to, uh, to sort of lay down as our foundation because the next thing we want to talk about is how historically... Uh, and some very famous people and famous researchers have often believed that the clitoris was kind of a a lesser <laughs> organ, if you will, than than the male organ, or a useless appendix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still boggles my mind that in in this day and age, medical science still thinks that there's anything in our body that was useless and had no function. Like they still think that about certain things. There is not a single thing in your entire body that doesn't have a very, very intended specific function that you need. <laughs> and, you know, if you can think about your what's being labeled as your 
junk DNA, the 98% that scientists have no yeah. idea that what it's for. It's just because they have no idea. It's not because it's not useful or has a purpose. It's just because science and scientists have not yet caught up on that. So they just label it as useless, junk, the, whatever. <laughs> the arrogance of mankind never ceases to astound me. <laughs> We so, don't know what it is. Must just be junk. Get rid of it. Uh, anyway, yeah, right. that's an aside. So I'm going to talk about this one first because it's a, a, a little bit of a French thing, so I'm going to pronounce it properly. So there's this author. Her name is Rosemonde Pujol, and it's, she's fascinating because she wrote a book. Are you saying I cannot pronounce Rosemonde Pujol? Well, that actually was really good. She wrote this book, and it's in French, and it's Un Petit Bout de Bonheur. It's a little piece of happiness. And, and she's 89 years old. I mean, she was. She's probably dead by now because that book was like in the 2005-ish or something when I bought it. Remember when Celine said Lady Boner? What this actually says, the real translation, is the little boner. No, that's mm -hmm. that's not what it means. But, yeah, it's right there, look, boner. But I want to say that I love this book when I read it. Like, I think this, well, this book was like written in uh, 2007. And so it's, it's pretty old. But that woman was 89 years old and she put together this book with all different data and talking about the clitoris and some of her like like friends talking about their masturbation habits and younger people, older people, women from all over the spectrum. And it was so mind-opening to read all different stories and to hear how many women do struggle with that piece of their anatomy, how the amount of shame that we hold... Um, holds us back from experiencing pleasure and our, our whole pleasure potential. And one of her things that she was mentioning in her book is that the clitoris has been repressed. And that's like a fact that we can all agree on. And whether it is through like excision, you know, when you cut the clitoris off or when you simply cut the clitoris off the, the medical books and suppress it, that's another way of, of continuating that repression and suppression. And in her opinion, women have been robbed of their pleasure potential because of how things have been taught and passed along in medical books and science and all of that yeah i mean there's no doubt that that occurred in the past i don't know that in today's society we really think of it in that way but the effects of that still do reverberate through our society and, and some of the information that's out there for sure so some of the information we're going to share next comes from Natalie Dinsdale. And Natalie is the woman we were uh, talking with and who was going to come on the show and um, wasn't able to make it this time. And we might get her on the show at some point. But she has a blog and you know, she's wa working towards her PhD. She does, does like evolutionary science and different things like that. I mean, yeah, she's pretty fascinating. We have spoken to her, even though uh, she hasn't been on the show yet. <laughs> And uh, yeah, she's a she's a PhD researcher, and she really she really dives deep into the research. She's actually a really good researcher, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have her on the show because she had some really fascinating information. Um, but we have some of it here. We have some of that information. We're going to share it with yeah, you. Yeah, because she wrote different blogs and, and things on that. So we're going to quote things from her blog here. And if you want to find more about her, it's Natalie Dinsdale. And I think it's natalio.com, uh, I believe, is her website. And you can uh, we'll have the link in the description if you want to check out her article on that. One of the things that she was talking about is that she thinks that we've sunk too far in the direction of divorcing pleasure from processes of reproduction in an attempt to compensate for past sexism and misogyny. Ooh. 
Yeah, so basically it's like, you know, people had wrong ideas in the past, and in order to correct that, we just have to separate everything and make it all very clinical, and like, and that really actually has not, not served us well either. Okay, so there's, I'm going to read this, it's a little bit uh, long, but you'll get the idea. So according to Natalie, back in the day, the clitoris was seen as somewhat problematic, Uh, Its anatomy, which is largely subterranean with limbs and bulbs extending around the vaginal canal, was unknown. People like Freud believed that orgasms generated from clitoral stimulation represented developmental immaturity in women and that a vaginal orgasm elicited from penile vaginal intercourse meant that a woman was fully mature. You know, so much of of modern-day psychology still revolves around the ideas of Freud but when you hear this, and believe me, this is not the only example of some stupid shit that Freud said. <laughs> and believe me, I've read a bunch of books on Freud. I studied Freud. I liked Freud at one point until I got deeper. And I go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he basically, was very repressed, I think. <laughs> basically, what Freud is saying here is that, well, if you stimulate your clitoris by yourself, then you're an immature woman. <laughs> But if a penis stimulates it, then you must be immature. This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, in earlier times, I froed because he wasn't the only one. Clinicians even uh, practiced surgical removal of the clitoris as a treatment for mental illness and hysteria. Of course, clitoral removal still occurs today in cultures that practice female genital mutilation, a truly barbaric and terrible practice that must be stopped. Absolutely, by the way. Um, and the fun- um, And so that's kind of like what you see is that we went from like, we don't really know what that is to, well, there is something. We think it's what makes you crazy because we don't understand women. So if we remove that one thing, then you will behave better. I mean, it's all about control and controlling uh, women's and women's sexuality because it's true that sometimes women's sexuality can be scary for men. Like the way that we can go into like heightened states of pleasures and and just be in touch with our bodies in ways that men need to learn to do, they be like, oh, wow, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, well, so part of it is about control and and part of it is just arrogance mm-hmm. in a sense that like so the next piece is the function of the male orgasm is obvious. It provides a reliable mechanism for inserting semen which contains sperm into the female body. We know that women can uh we know that women can get pregnant without orgasm. So basically when it comes to the male orgasm which, you know, we talk a lot on this show, like orgasm and ejaculation are not the same thing. You can indeed separate them, but they generally do and most people occur at the same time. So when, when a man orgasms and ejaculates at the same time, it does perform that function. And I think the arrogance comes in where we go, well, you know, it's really all about like just getting the orgasm. The whole purpose of it is to just get a man to ejaculate and impregnate a woman. But they never really think about the other side of that. And, you know, if you're, if you're really a sexual master and you're really good at paying attention to the woman and all the signs throughout lovemaking, you realize she's got all the same types of things. In other words, from an evolutionary biology point of view... We both possess traits that encourage us to have sex and to reproduce. 
right? So think about it this way. It wouldn't make any sense if the male was the only one that had the drive to reproduce. (laughs) And that's kind of like the way the old theories were. It's like the man is the one with the drive to reproduce and he has to somehow force or trick the woman into doing it. And she's really not all that into it because it doesn't really give much to her. And she just happens to be the receptacle, right? This is complete and utter nonsense. If you've ever paid attention to a woman, you can see that there are things that she does to literally help that process along. I'll give you a perfect example of that. When we're teaching men how to control their ejaculation, right? So we're trying to teach men how to last longer. One of the things that we teach them is the woman's role in that, right? Women can literally energetically pull on a man and literally encourage him to ejaculate faster. And a lot of women don't even realize that they do this, but they do. Well, why would a woman do that? What, what would be the point of that happening? Why? Because she's helping that process along too. She's got all these internal functions that try to accomplish the same thing, which is reproduce. You know, there, there was a, a time in the, in the past where they believed that women weren't really horny, like women didn't really want sex or have a need for sex. Any woman listening to this in 2021 is probably like, they just spit up their morning coffee, right? Because they're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But people believed that at one time, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything that drives us as men to want to reproduce, there is something, some other similar function in a woman that drives her to reproduce as well. And so when we're talking about the clitoris and what its functions are, I'm going to kind of bring this back around to the clitoris. It would be completely ridiculous for us to say that the male penis is built with certain functions to do that, but the woman's vagina slash clitoris slash basically anatomy wouldn't have the same thing. (laughs) Of course it does. So one idea is that the female clitoral sensitivity and resultant orgasms are a byproduct of female, uh, sorry, of male orgasms, right? That that was some of those silly theory. And since males and females develop a somewhat bipotential embryos, strong selection on male erectile tissues and overlapping early development gave females a happy accident of orgasmic capable tissue manifesting as the clitoris. This is fucking nonsense. Okay, look. Happy (laughs) accident. All right. You're a dude, right? If you're listening to this show and you're a dude, right? Or actually women, you should pay attention to this too. But <clears throat> what happens if your woman orgasms before you do? Pause, pause. Think about <laughs> it for a second. What happens? So if you are even remotely close to ejaculating, you know, you're, you're on your arousal scale and you're getting up in that seven, maybe eight range. Your woman goes off into a big orgasm. She's most likely going to take you with her unless you're really good at controlling it. Why does that happen? Well, because it's not the other way around. It's not your orgasming giving her a happy accident, right? (laughs) She's orgasming before you, and the energy buildup from that is so intense that it can literally take you right along for the ride. And let's just mention, just in passing, that uh, the clitoris has around 8,000 nerve endings, while the penis has about 4,000. Yeah. So again, if you're going to try to make that argument that uh, the woman's biology is not evolved into 
something that would want sex, crave sex, try to make reproduction easier, why would they have 8,000 nerve endings? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if she's not supposed to feel pleasure, here's the thing. If a woman feels pleasure and enjoys the sex that she's having, one, she'll want to do it more often, which will mean she'll have more children if you're, if you're you know, taking it that far in the past. That's generally what would happen. Um, and then she also, like we were just saying, she can then, through her energy and through her orgasmic waves, encourage the male to ejaculate. And we'll talk more about what happens when you have a clitoral orgasm and why you should have a clitoral orgasm in just a few minutes, because it's fascinating. I can't wait to share that with you. But, <laughs> but, but before we get there, let's do another little pause for our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by us. <laughs> well, <laughs> we have a special invite for you. If you are a couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions in Instead of connecting the way you used to, and you're tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then we'd like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. So if you give Kevin and us a 90, Kevin and I, 90 days, and we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. We'll even teach you all about the clitoris, anything that's missing. So go to CelineRemy.com forward slash passion. It's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com forward slash passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to learn more all about our program. Yeah, and don't forget that the way that you can support this show is to either buy products from our sponsors. <laughs> which we advertise about. Yeah, or buy our products, which we advertise at the beginning in Power <laughs> Mastery, or work with us. That's how you can really support us. If you love listening to us and you want us to keep doing the work that we do and keep making the world a better place, then that's how you can do it. And if you get value from those 30 to 40 minutes little show, imagine how much more you can get in one-on-one -on -one, uh, private like laser focused um, session with us. All right, let's talk about <laughs> clitoral stimulation and what happens to your brain when you stimulate your clitoris. So we're going to assume that you know how to stimulate your clitoris, you know how to find it, you've understood more of that, and now you are convinced that actually it should be stimulated. Okay, so there's a few things that happen when you do that, and this is all uh, different data to that... Um, that they found through different studies and researches that they've done. You know, sometimes they hook you up to machines and EKGs and encephalogram and like all these different things. Sometimes not, but it's pretty fascinating. So Yeah, there's a whole bunch of physical changes that occur in the body yes. as a result, a direct result of stimulating the clitoris. And, and that's what they're able to measure scientifically. Well, they found that it enhances the vaginal blood flow. Duh. Yes. You can feel that. Hence the lady boner. Enhance the change in colors mm -hmm. and the redness, right, in the labia. Increases the vaginal lubrication. Yep, for sure. Um, increases vaginal partial oxygen pressure. Huh. Is that where a, f a farting, vaginal farting comes from? I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. Don't think it's related at no. all. What's the name? There's a name Queef. for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're so cute. You're like, what is that even called? <laughs> I don't do that. That's why. <laughs> it's like the whole, the dreaded thing in yoga class. <laughs> When you're like, okay, let's do this, like, uh, like legs overhead, and you're like, oh, please, 
tight in my muscles right now. Please don't fart from my I, vagina. I, I, I somehow remember a very funny comedy sketch about that, but anyway. <laughs> um, it partially neutralizes vaginal acidity. Fascinating, too. Mm-hmm. Activates vaginal tenting and ballooning. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we want to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. And increases vaginal temperature. Oh, yeah, that's so, so, um, like, we can feel that when it gets mm-hmm. so hot in there. Mm-hmm. But I want to come back on the vaginal tenting and ballooning because that is so fascinating. That tenting is this process of, like... Um, it kind of expands, right? And you can really feel that where you might start at a certain a certain way and then the whole vaginal canal changes. It kind of changes shapes and expands and you're like, can even become like bottomless. Like it's pretty crazy what can happen. And basically sexual arousal via the clitoral stimulation creates multiple changes in the female genital tract that prepare her body for fertilization. Yeah, and you know... <laughs> The majority of times that you have sex, you're probably not thinking about actual fertilization. (laughs) However, keep in mind that all of these changes that occur are generally pleasurable. So even though your goal may not be fertilization, guys, do not forget to stroke the clitoris. Many different ways to do that. (laughs) And help your woman have all these changes and get in the mood and get all turned on and juicy and all that stuff. So let's have a little bit more into with all these changes that happen in the body when you do clitoral stimulation. So we've just talked about some of them, but we're going to talk a little bit more because really the clitoris, the clitoris is great for pleasure, but it's also, it, it has a way in the whole, um, fertility too and i think that saying that it's only for one or just for the other it's like we're not separated right it just works all together in conjunction and when you understand what happens it's it's kind of fascinating so number one the vaginal secretions promote changes in sperm that makes them mobile motile but same thing yeah same thing makes them move I like this. <laughs> so you, you know, I love that people mostly listen to this on podcast platforms because uh, I know that you have made way more opportunity to listen. But every once in a while, you should watch us on YouTube too because we do funny things on the video. Uh, let's talk about another one. Vaginal secretions affect the sperm's ability to fertilize. Ooh, it's broadly called capacitation. By the way, again, everything that we're sharing here comes from Natalie Densdale too. That she put, she combined, she compiled that. So we're sharing that with you. Um, let's talk about the vaginal tenting here. Mm-hmm. It lifts the cervix away from the pool of semen and until the sperm are ready to fertilize. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you mean that tensing is not just so that I can be pounded more. It's also so that my cervix can be lifted up and it like, I guess when it happens, okay. So the cervix goes up, sperm goes in, but then because it's higher, only the best sperm that can go all the way to reach that when it's ready can go there to that cervix. That's probably what it is. So it's like even better selection then. It makes it a little harder to swim for them. It's further away. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and so think about, you know, the fact that why is it uh, sometimes uh, of the month you just want to be pounded and sometimes you don't Mm -hmm. because that process is happening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's further away and you're like, yeah, pound me. And other times you're like, whoa, no, you're like pounding into my into my cervix and it's too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Okay, let's talk about after orgasm or reduction in arousal, the cervix drops and contracts the ready to go sperm. Ooh, oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so you need that orgasm to lift the cervix up and you need that clitoral stimulation realistically because that's really what we're talking about. You need to have that. And then you need the going down because whether or not you had the orgasm doesn't matter because it's like when the arousal comes down, there's a reduction, then the cervix drops again. It's like a pump, basically. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. (laughs) So... So in the in the tenting, it's moving away a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's not allowing the sperm to reach it just yet. But then you have an orgasm and it drops back down and then contacts with the sperm and then allows them in. So what's interesting about that is, again, there used to be these old outmoded ideas that, that women didn't need orgasm. So it's, it's, it's probably fake. Orgasms would make for... Better orgasms would actually increase the chances of conception. Yes. Mm -hmm. And because of what happens, I think it does make it that uh, because it moves away and back, like maybe it makes it it, it, for better sperm quality too. Because it, it, like what we read at the beginning, that it changes, it makes them more motile and it uh, affects the, the sperm's ability to fertilize. So maybe it just like makes the sperm even better. Yeah, now don't don't think because you didn't have an orgasm that you can't get pregnant. <laughs> that would be foolish. <laughs> There's a lot of unsatisfied unsatisfied women who didn't have good orgasms and then suddenly ended up pregnant. But what you can see is that, you know, having good orgasms is going to and of course, you know, stroking the clitoris doesn't mean you're going to have an orgasm necessarily, but stroking the clitoris, getting it engorged, having a good orgasm, those things are going to increase the chances of that happening. Now, a lot of people are going, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, I do not want to increase those chances. Like, don't want to go there. But remember, it also is increasing the pleasure for the woman as well. So, you know, do whatever form of birth control you need to do, and then make sure you stroke the clitoris and give your woman some good orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just finish that in terms of um, the gap in time from ejaculation to capacitation prevents semen components from breaking down the ovum and also prevents too many sperm from penetrating the ovum. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This whole explanation. So actually, it's kind of what you were saying is is correct. That process actually makes it so that only the strongest, fittest bestest. of them, bestest of them, <laughs> actually make it. Yes. See, how you understood. It's like I'm a female with a clitoris or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you are. I checked this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so the inner structure of the clitoris also becomes larger in volume prior to ovulation, further supporting the role of clitoris in conception. Fascinating. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to pay attention. Am I having a bigger clit like prior to ovulation? Or is it easier to access orgasm prior to ovulation or not? Okay. Um, Um, Studying, I mean, we need to put that into practice, Kevin. Lots of research and data exploration. I'm going to have to get a new set of calipers. 
because mine are currently metal and they're going to be a little too cold. But we're going to have to very scientifically measure the size of your clitoris throughout your cycle. And we're going to need very precise instrumentation to do this. <laughs> All right. I'm slightly, slightly afraid. Not quite. I'm not convinced yet. I need more foreplay there. You don't want the tip of your clitoris squeezed with calipers? <laughs> no. Somehow I'm not excited about that prospect. <laughs> hey, maybe we could get some uh, research funding for this. <laughs> you want to see that happen? Donate to us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. So what can we take away from today's uh, show? Um, we shared a lot about the clitoris and there is still so much more but if there are just a few things that you can take away is number one it is not just a button but it is a whole structure that goes deep and innerves and goes inside the vaginal canal and that the clitoris is essential not just to the woman's pleasure but also to having uh, better chances of fertilization and conception and that it's not just a little accessory that kind of can be used here and there it's actually something that should be stimulated i find that it makes my ability to orgasm vaginally like it makes it easier when I have my clitoris that feels alive and throbbing and so every now and then a good little like clitoral stroke I don't even have to go to an orgasm but just kind of use it as a fire stoker to get the inside of my vagina like so turned on and ready it really works well and so understand that about the clitoris that it's been misunderstood and it's not just something that you should live up to chance it's something you should take the matter in your own hand very regularly basically <laughs> Uh, excellent advice. <laughs> <laughs> and remember to suck on that clit. Next <laughs> right. time you give oral. <laughs> and flick it and play with the shaft. Remember, mini penis. It gets a boner, lady boner. <laughs> there you go, man. And ladies, you know, if you've never done anything more than maybe just a little bit of the stroke in the end, and now you've got some other techniques you can use as well. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope that was enlightening and fascinating for you and that you learned something about the clitoris that you didn't know, whether you are a man or a woman. And now take this knowledge and use it to create more good in the world and more orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.